It's another Sunday night in comedy. Stand up is coming back. Festival season is on, and we're checking in with an industry giant and an upcoming comic to find out what the world of funny looks like in the summer ahead. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go inside the joke. <laughs> Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to another all new Inside Jokes. Baby, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, 640, and of course, coast to coast, Canada wide, planet Earth wide on the Global News Radio Network, if you happen to have the internet. Brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Hoptical, helping you spot hecklers in the crowd since 1967. It's taken us a year and a half. But finally, that slogan makes actual literal sense again. There's live crowds in comedy again. Not We're not full-blown yet, but it's coming around. Festivals are starting back up. Live shows are creeping back up. We're, we're coming to the end of the tunnel here after a full season of COVID unpleasantness. Vince Tedesco, our producer, is on the line. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I love the uh, tunnel reference because that light may not be the light of freedom. It could be another train coming barreling right at us. true, yeah. <laughs> It is true, but we do have, and I mean, so our panel, our panel tonight, Vince, is, is uh, we, we do have Ben Bankus, who's sort of an upcoming comic of note. He hosts the Ben Bankus podcast. He's very outspoken politically in his stand-up and in his online presence. So we're going to find out how much this past year and all of the craziness has flavored his stand-up even more. Uh, but of course, we also have one of the great kingpins of Canadian comedy, Mark Breslin. You know him possibly love him as the founder and creator of Yuck Yucks, which of course is, you know, that is the, that is the big brand in Canadian comedy clubs. And of course they have their, their hands in a whole lot of other things. But last time Vince, last time we talked to Mark Breslin was about a year ago. It was fairly early on in the pandemic. Nobody in the industry had any idea where any of this stuff was going, what was going to happen. It was kind of bleak. Our conversation with Mark back then was there was a lot of question marks. And now a year later, here we are. We're not fully there yet, but you know, we are seeing live shows coming back. Just for Laughs is making its return this July 26th in Montreal. That is, of course, a huge linchpin for the comedy world. That's sort of a big signal of things to come. So we'll pick Mark's brain on that. Uh, and we'll just find out where this business is heading from, again, one of the sort of ringleaders in Canadian comedy and an upcoming stand-up as well, who's sort of on the other side of just trying to find work this whole past year. We have this little thing called hope. Hope is finally <laughs> returning. We have hope in comedy. So we're going to find out from Mark and later on from Ben Bankus where things are headed this summer, what all of this means. Are we back in festival season? We'll find out right here on Inside Jokes. Welcome back to an all new Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, helping you spot hecklers in the crowd since 1967. Uh, Again, we're going to be checking in with sort of with an upcoming comic later on to pick his brain, Ben Bankus, on what this past year has been like as a comic and trying to find an audience and just try to find work. But first, we're checking in with one of the industry icons in Canadian comedy. And we haven't actually talked to him 
since kind of early on in the pandemic, when, when everything was much more of a looming, disastrous question mark, we have the one and only Mark Breslin, who, of course, you know him as a creator and founder of Yuck Yucks, which not just the biggest chain of comedy clubs in this country and one of the ones on the planet, but also a full-blown brand in international comedy. So, Mark, last time we spoke to you, like I said, it was on the phone. Everything was very sort of mysterious and bleak, even for yourself. I mean, you've been at this since the early days. You were one of the people who built a lot of the framework in Canadian comedy. All of this was, of course, very unprecedented. So for you, coming to this point that we're at now where things are starting to bloom back open and festivals are starting to happen and we're kind of rounding the corner. How much of a strange experience has this past year been for you as somebody in your footsteps? Well, 15 months ago, when all this started, if anybody had ever said um, it's going to be closed down for 15 months or more, yeah. we would have all thought people were crazy. We always thought it was, okay, two weeks, maybe a month. And look what's happened. It's been disastrous for anybody in the hospitality or entertainment industries, live entertainment industries, especially, of course. And we just can't wait to get back. I want my life back. You know, I don't yeah. know if you've ever read King Lear, but a king without a kingdom does not end well. <laughs> yeah, true, true enough. Well, I mean, it was interesting talking to yourself when all this first started. It was, uh, it, it was such a such a mysterious thing for even people in your position to go, how do we play our way through this? I mean, you know, with Yuck Yucks, you have a brand to play with. You have other properties, you have other streams of media, but at the end of the day, your business is built on people being in clubs, watching comics, do what they do live in the flesh. Yeah. It's asses on seats. Yeah. It's asses on seats business in many ways. Now we pivoted over the last while um, to doing these uh, cyber shows, uh, mostly for corporates uh, because everybody was working from home and it was very different, difficult for companies to keep any kind of morale going and team building going. And we um, really worked hard to try to get the word out that we were doing these uh, Zoom shows, uh, cyber shows for corporations. And that worked out really well. In fact, frankly, it kept us alive as a company. But yeah. um, it's never the same thing as what our real business is, which is as I say, asses on seats, people coming in, strangers, paying a cover charge, walking in, seeing great comics, laughing with strangers, and then walking out. That's really what the business is. And that is the center, the core of the comedy business. It isn't TikTok. It's, it's, yeah. this. and um, comedy clubs are the kind of front gate to the industry for comics. They have to learn how to master comedy clubs. Um, we have to be open for them. And when we're not, everything grinds to a standstill. And I think, I mean, for you at this stage in the game and doing everything you've done and still still being in the industry and still being behind Yuck Yucks, I, I have to assume you have to, at the end of the day, still be a fan of comedy. You have to be a lover of comedy. So, I mean, how much for you, do you just miss being able to going into your clubs and watch new comics on stage and hear new voices and just be there in the crowd taking it in the way it, like, it all began? Well, last weekend, I was at the Guild Inn in Scarborough, and I saw a show. It was We had Mike Bullard, Mike Wilmot, and Laurie Elliott, and I saw 100 people laughing at, at tables, uh, you know, having a drink, having a, a hamburger, and it just made me feel so good. It wasn't just missing the comics on stage. It was missing the audience, because that's yeah. something I never tire of. I may even tire of watching comedy from time to time, but I never tire of watching people come into this place and 
uh, leaving six inches taller because they've been laughing and the, the problems of their life have been, you know, uh, released and they're in a great mood. And I love doing that. And I've loved doing that for 45 years. And I'll yeah. probably, you know, love it right till I'm in the grave. Well, and I think that's the thing, too, especially after everything that went on this year, you know, people doing TikToks and live streams. And I know JFL and some of the other festivals sort of ad adapted and went digital and all that stuff, because that's just the, the cards everybody was dealt. But at the end of the day, it did all sort of feel like a placebo in some way. It's, you know, the act of being able to. And I think after everything that went on this past year, just on the world stage, this will probably be more needed than ever. But just being able to go into a comedy club the lights come down and put your life on pause for 90 minutes and laugh and just hear somebody's take on this stuff and sort of forget about life. And I think especially after this year when everybody's been stuck at home, trapped in the same news cycle and social media and all that stuff. Well, look, you know, you could sort of sum up the last 15 months by saying everything is all about second best or third best. And whether it's watching TV instead of going to the movies, which is really what you should be doing when you're watching a movie. Yeah. Um, on the big screen or, um, you know, watching a sporting event on TV rather than actually going to the stadium and being part of it all. Um, uh, or, you know, having to watch porn instead of having real sex with people. <laughs> uh, whatever it happens to be, it's always been second best. Hey, we can get takeout from a good restaurant. Well, that's great, but it's not sitting down and having somebody come up to you and uh, talking to you, what would you like? Uh, it's, that's right. It's not the same thing. And the same thing is true in comedy. All these kinds of shows that we've pivoted to, we did out of necessity, but I predict when uh, everything comes back fully, um, I don't think a lot of it's going to last. I mean, you know about drive-in shows, right? Drive-in yeah. shows are the funniest and we've done them. Uh, you go and the comic looks great on a big screen because it's a drive-in and you can hear beautifully in your car because you tune into the, whatever the frequency is. But what the comic doesn't get is any feedback and the yeah. comic needs feedback to keep going and play the crowd. Well, you're not playing the crowd, you're playing the crowd of cars. So what's been happening is when, a when the customer in the car likes a joke, they honk the horn and, uh, you know, put their lights on and off. <laughs> yeah. a, a, a Disney movie. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, but you know what? Better than nothing. This is That's what right. All yeah. saying. Better than nothing. It is true. But I mean, you know, I think maybe we, you know, it took something like this for us to realize just how integral, I mean, and we've talked to so many comics about this. We've talked to so many comics across Canada and the U S and all over the planet this past year. And people have varying views. Some of them, you know, dipped, dipped their toes into the streaming shows and went never again. But at the end of the day, and we'll go back for more after the break, but I mean, yeah, this, that relationship between comic and audience, that call and response, you know, for comics pacing around backstage and waiting to go up and you're reading the energy of the room and you're just riding this way of, to have all of that taken away and now you're just watching, you know, emojis float up on a screen. It's really not the same thing. Really not the same thing. Ultimately, stand-up comedy has a lot in common with gospel music. It's call and response, as, yeah. as you put it. And it would be pretty sad to see, you know, a gospel choir and there's nobody to, you know, call back at it. Um, yeah. It's just not the same thing. We all know that. Um, that having been said, I don't know if you saw the Bo Burnham special on Netflix. But it shows just what you can do as a piece of art that's COVID art, that's um, yeah. uh, quarantine art. And he took it to a level that no one else has taken it to. 
So it is possible to do something unique and magical with the limitations that we have now. Um, but these things are few and far between. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, that was after a year and a half of people trying to figure out their way around this stuff. Just like this show, Mark, it took us over a year to figure out how to do a radio show on Zoom, but you know, we're not getting any younger either. We're going to come back with more inside <laughs> jokes from Mark Breslin about where comedy's headed and what all this is going to mean now that we are sort of finally coming back from this long winter we've been stuck in. We'll be back with more inside jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Mark Breslin, and I'm sorry to say you're listening to Inside Jokes. Welcome back to another all-new Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And of course, streaming planet earthwide on the global news radio network we are talking to mark breslin the man behind the brand of course the creator and founder of the iconic yuck yucks comedy clubs which of course has over the years mushroomed into just a full-blown i'm gonna go ahead and say comedy empire i mean you have your hand in digital recording festivals streaming all this stuff mark we were of course picking your brain before the break on what what this whole past year has meant for yuck yucks and how somebody in your standing in the industry has had to sort of you know take this comedy institution and just sort of adapt it to the times. Uh, You know, we aren't fully there yet. We are sort of, and I know you have some clubs, some Yuck Yucks locations that are reopening in different spots, which means different things uh, that you can touch on. So we aren't fully there yet, but we are, you know, it's like the spring thaw. Finally, we're kind of getting there. Uh, Another huge signal of, of things changing is of course, just for laughs returning to Montreal this, this July, not you know, fully the animal that it was before, but also people are going there in person. It's a festival again. I know last year, a lot of the festivals, JFL included, had to sort of stream everything and move completely digital. For you, you know, we were talking before the break about how live crowds is the essence of comedy. That's what you have to do. But do you think a lot of this stuff that's happened during the pandemic is going to sort of linger around? Or do you think we're going to see a hybrid of things now? Well, you know, I think these Zoom, these cyber shows that Yuck have been doing is a really good answer uh, to that. And we've been getting great response. We found the right comics to do that. Um, yeah. Certainly this isn't a, a, a thing that really edgy um, comics can do or dirty comics can do because corporations don't want that. Um, and so they've been kind of left out of this thing that we're doing. But uh, I think that Zoom shows are gonna continue in that way for sure. I think live streaming is going to become uh, something that people are going to be doing because um, some people got used to not going out. But mostly, I think we're going to go back to what um, is the core of what comedy is, which is audience in a room, comic on stage, pay the cover charge. Do you think, I mean, because, you know, if you go back a decade ago with the advent of podcasting and then a little later on, you know, Netflix, back before everybody and their dog had a Netflix special, but when it was a newer thing, it sort of led to this boon in comedy again. Comedy became for a newer audience, a cool thing to go watch live again. Do you think we are going to maybe see some trickle effect of that after the pandemic where we'll see some of these younger crowds that have been watching stuff on Zoom and TikTok and all this 
actually venturing out and going, ah, I've never been to a live comedy show. I want to go check this out. Well, the problem is that um, that demographic um, has seen a live comedy show, but they've seen it in a bar where they paid $3 to see it, if that. <laughs> yeah. That's not really the same experience of going to a comedy club. Look, a comedy club is the same now as it is was in the, back in 1976 when I started. Um, yeah. It can't be too big. It can't be too small. Um, the optimum size is somewhere between two and 300 seats. When you're in a room that only has 30 seats, you're not creating the special distance, the critical distance between a performer and the audience. Yeah, it's almost this perfect harmony between intimacy with the audience, but also separation, you know? Okay. Yes. And I think, you know, I hate to say it, but we've been saying it a lot on this show this past year. I mean, if you, you know, in a city like Toronto, which is the comedy hub in Canada, uh, New York's another example, any cities like this, that tend to be flooded with open micers and people just starting shows in random bar basements all over the city. And you kind of touched on this where, you know, some people, their first experience of watching a live comedy show is because they saw some poster outside of a bar, but what they really did was accidentally wandered into an open mic in progress. And that was their takeaway. And they went, well, I've been to live comedy and it was, I had an awful experience. I think in a way, there's going to be a bit of a reset too after this. It's sort of a purging where, you know, in a city where we had at any given time, 10,000 open micers doing two sets and then going on Facebook and changing their job description to stand up comic. I think a lot, a lot of that stuff will be sort of reset after this as well, in a way. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, for a bar owner, um, an open mic is certainly cheap programming now, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. Um, so why would a bar owner say no to a Tuesday night when they're getting four people in their bar when they might get 24 people in their bar and it costs them nothing. Yeah. So, um, you know, but I, I, I like to think that um, most people will eventually gravitate to some level of professionalism um, in terms of what they like, uh, you know, and there's nothing, there's, no, there's, there's very little in common between watching a show in a, in a real comedy club and watching it at your neighborhood pub. Uh, and I know I've done them all. Uh, I mean, I, when I was, starting out i did pubs and yeah. uh you know i was fighting the, i was fighting the room the advantage of a comedy club is the comic is never fighting the room the room is there to help them not to hinder them yeah i think it's so true because you see a lot of especially younger upcoming comics treat that as sort of an adversarial thing and audiences are smart they won't follow you down that rabbit hole you know right 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 that's one of the biggest, I think, mistakes in comedy is to is to downplay the audience. For you, and I mean, this kind of goes back to just for laughs coming back. And again, these things sort of slowly coming back around. For you, I mean, you're a showbiz guy. You've been doing, you know, you've been at this 45 plus years. At, how much do you just miss being around your peers? How much do you just miss schmoozing with people in the comedy world and being around that industry again? Well, I certainly miss it. I mean, as I say, I was, I, I, I was with three comics on the weekend and we got to talk shop and it was really exciting. Um, and, you know, watching comics rewrite other comics jokes for them. Uh, yeah. And it's a community and it's, it all feels great. But I'll be honest with you, what I really miss personally is schmoozing with uh, people who aren't even in the comedy business. I love the kibitz. Um, I like to sit at a, uh, when I'm sitting at a restaurant and the server comes over to me, I like having some fun with them. Uh, yeah. I really miss that as much as anything else. That's comedy too. You know, at Humber College, where I, I, I started the um, uh, comedy school, the Humber School of Comedy 15 yeah. years ago, 
uh, one of the first things I say to the students is, you know, if you think that this is just a job, then maybe you're not on the right wavelength. Comedy isn't something you do. Comedy is something you are. And you never stop doing that, whether you're at home, whether you're on stage, whether you're uh, in a on a subway car and there's somebody next to you, wherever you are is an opportunity to be funny. Yeah. And you should take every opportunity to do that. It doesn't always have to be monetized. They don't, you don't always have to be paid for it. And you know, some of the funniest people I know are not particularly, you know, stand-up comics or people in the business. They're just really funny people and they could not help but be funny. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you also touched on the fact that, you know, comedy is such an all-consuming, it's a lifestyle gig. It really is. And for a lot of comics, a lot of career comics who have been at this for a long time, this whole year was such a strange sort of forced step back where they had to go, I'm, I'm used to working in, in comedy clubs and, and, you know, working until two in the morning and being on the road all the time and motel rooms and crappy towns that I've never heard of and don't want to return to. And all of a sudden they were forced into this thing where they had to like be normal people <laughs> and be around their family and friends and, and do, you know, go grocery shopping and just spend all this time away from other comics. Cause it really is in a lot of ways, the Island of misfit toys. And a lot of comics were all of a sudden thrown into normal life again. Well, if you can call this past your normal life and just going, Oh my gosh, I've, forgot what this was even like well a lot of people get into the business for what i'll call psychological reasons where yeah. <laughs> they know that they're not really they look they know themselves well enough to know that they're not suited for a conventional bourgeois lifestyle yeah um, this is a place where they find themselves appreciated tolerated um and even loved for all the things that people criticize would criticize them for um they're actually uh, um, lionized for it in this particular industry. The same thing is, was true for me. I mean, I got into this because I kind of didn't fit anywhere else. And I created my own lifestyle. Um, a lot of the things that people kind of run down, have been running down over the years, like you described the road work, people, a lot of comics are nostalgic for it now. They kind of need to get back to the um, basic hotel room and the uh, independence that they have, and there's nobody telling them what to do. They can drink milk out of the carton, uh, whatever, whatever it happens to be that they, that they happen to like. Um, the bad food, um, you know, the, uh, the bad sex, all of it. Um, yeah. they're all, they miss it, and you can't really blame them because they got into it as much for those kinds of things as they did for the art itself or the possibility of becoming a star, which, as we know, only happens to very, very few people. Yeah. So uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there is always just sort of a, a standalone group of Canadian comics that were able to, you know, and most of them passing across the yuck yuck stages, but that were able to stay in this country and sort of build a name for themselves in this country. Do you think we've lost that as well in Canadian comedy? I mean, especially after this past year and how much everything is sort of evolved and mutated, you know, I mean, Canadian comedy was always built off of road work, going and playing this club in this town, meeting an audience that way. And because of that, our comedy always had such a regional flavor to it. Now everything is about putting stuff out online and immediately going out to a global audience. Do you think we're still going to have that flavor imbued in Canadian comedy where it's about let's, getting out there? Let's be realistic. This global audience you speak of, if you yeah. take a look at most of the YouTube submissions that most Canadian comics have, they've got 78 views. Um, so there's a, global, <laughs> yeah. there's a global audience. It's not really a global audience. Um, not really. It's the potential of a global audience. But how many people 
um, in Canada, how many comics can you count that are uh, successful in the way that you just suggested? I would say under 10. Yeah. Only five. Now contrast that with the United States where you must have thousands of comedy millionaires. And they aren't necessarily performers, but they're producers, writers, uh, gatekeepers, uh, all kinds of people. But there are many, many thousands of these people um, who are living in beautiful houses. And some of them you haven't even heard of because it doesn't really matter. They're working behind the scenes. But even front of the scenes, um, you know, there's, it's a sobering thought to realize that there are as many people within a hundred mile radius of Los Angeles as there are in the entire country of Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, true. And of course our, our show business has always reflected this Mark. We can of course do this all day. I do want to say though, it's, it's really nice sort of seeing where yuck yucks and where the industry has gone since last year. Cause last year, and it wasn't because of you, but last year when we talked to you, everything was sort of a bleak conversation because nobody knew what was coming or how long all of this would be. And there was no, there was no sort of framework built yet. Um, but getting to that point, I mean, yuck yucks reopening, uh, some clubs and of course now you're doing the cyber comedy cabaret so where where can people find what yuck yucks is up to and where are you just go on our website our website www.yuckyucks.com and you'll see all our so-called like products including the cyber shows and when those are um i think there will be another one in about a month uh you can see which clubs are open and under what circumstances and that's changing every day remember so yeah. uh, you know in three weeks we'll be open up in alberta for instance uh, and both our clubs, our big clubs there. So uh, Ontario, nobody seems to know yet. Well, we will get there. At least it's a sign that things, you know, the times they are changing. But again, glad that you're doing the Cyber Comedy Cabaret. And just uh, just in general, it's it's refreshing to touch base with you and just see, again, we aren't fully there yet, but how far things have come as an industry. And, you know, the fact that brands like Yuck Yucks and JFL have been able to weather the storm and keep keep a framework in Canadian comedy. Well, thank you. I mean, I've been called a lot of things in my life, but rarely refreshing. (laughs) That just tells you what the season has been like for us, I guess. Mark Mark Brezen, thank you so much. Thank you for doing what Yuck Yucks does. And again, we're, we're happy to see this stuff sort of blossoming again, and we'll, we'll fully round the corner soon, hopefully. Yeah, I hope so. All right, Mark Brezen, sir, stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Mark. Thanks. Zeus! Yo, yo, yo. Brat, yo, it's Black <laughs> Zeus, and you're listening to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Shmrat. Oh, give me a shmrat. Yo, yo. <laughs> yo. Welcome back to another all-new Inside Jokes, baby! Live on remote from beautiful Thunder Bay, Ontario. Thank yes, you. Yes, we didn't mention that, Dean. You, you are in Thunder Bay. I am in Thunder Bay. I am indeed in Thunder Bay. Um, you know, and like everything in Canadian comedy this year, not really a whole heck of a lot going on. Thank you, of course, once again to Mark Breslin. You can check out the Cyber Comedy Cabaret and everything Yuck Yucks have been up to. Uh, switching gears, though, we have a comic on the show who I haven't talked to in a while. He hasn't done the show before. He did do the Cyber Comedy Cabaret, though, but he's also the host of the Ben Bankus podcast. Ben Bankus is on the line, ladies and gentlemen. How you doing, buddy? What's going on, everybody? 
happy to be here. Happy to be uh, alive. Um, partially. I mean, I, I don't know who's vaxxed out there, but um, slowly dying. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I did. That was I, a cheerful I, intro. For you, I mean, Ben, for anybody who follows your stuff online and, and you know, we were even talking about this during the break. Of course, obviously, a lot of live stand-up, of course, went on pause the past year and a half or whatever it's been at this point. So you've been sort of building your online following, putting stuff out on the social, of course, doing the podcast. Do you think uh, this past year there's sort of been a renewed interest in the podcast? Because we were sort of talking about this with Mark when like, you know, a decade ago when podcasts were sort of this new avenue, it sort of led to this spike in stand-up where people started listening to these shows and stand-up became a thing to go out and watch live again. And it got to a point where if you're a comic, you basically you had to have a podcast at some point. It was just part of the arsenal. And we've seen a lot of that dip off. And then during the pandemic, a lot of people getting back into it for you talking to that audience and putting this stuff out there. Do you think it's sort of there's like a resurgence of the podcast now? Well, I think podcasts were getting popular even before um, COVID. And I think that they were basically the only thing that people like me who have a very short attention span, but, you know, like for a movie plot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and people think, oh, podcast, it's boring. You, you know, how can you listen to that if you have a short attention span? Because they're, you never know what's going to happen. They're just talking, right? And yeah. listening to a conversation is like, is, is cathartic. Whereas like watching, a, and you don't have to watch it, right? Or you don't have to pay attention. You could just be listening. You could remember one little part. Um, you could do it while you're cooking. You could do it, this and that. And, and I, personally, I'm a, per, you know, a lot of people, music, you can only listen to music so much on a three hour car ride. Right. Especially if yeah. you're by yourself. Um, so, yeah, I think podcasts have, have come back big because, yeah, people have nothing to do and their attention spans are shot from looking at their phones. So they rather just listen to people talk about bullshit than <laughs> than listen to a whole storyline of like a movie and like have to like. And also, I find movies are now they're so woke that, you know, you're just like watching this ideology in front of you instead of just like listening to somebody shoot the shit or try to make sense of what the fuck is going on right now there we go by the way in a three second span you beat martha chavez for amount of bleeps on the air uh <laughs> i think one of the reasons too why comics are so why comics gravitate towards podcasting so much is because you know if you go to a club and you watch a comic that you like on stage for 20 minutes you're getting this very, for the most part, you're getting this sort of very manicured thing where they're going and they're doing their material, they're doing their bits, they're workshopping their stuff. On a podcast, you can get a comic that you like sitting there talking to somebody for an hour and just riffing on stuff and just, there's no nothing scripted, nothing is planned. They're just going completely raw and open and being themselves. I mean, for you doing this podcast, because even in your standup, for, for our listeners who don't know, who have never seen you, I mean, you're in your standup, you're a pretty blunt to the bone guy. Like you're very sort of dry and sarcastic and, and the way that you tackle things going on in the world is sort of just very, very, I'd say contrarian, very contrarian. How much of a different animal is, is that in your podcasting? I mean, how much, how well, I think doing podcasts, doing a regular podcast, doing um, sketches. I do a lot of voiceover dubs of like Teresa Tam, which people find offensive, but it's basically me doing her voice or what I think her voice sounds like over her press conferences, um, doing just vi crazy videos. All this stuff makes me funnier on stage. Like when I get to the stage, because I have so much, you know, 
hours of podcasting, you feel like you can really go off script. And I yeah. think that I, that gives people a really unique show. They go, look, he said something that's not in his podcast. It's clearly that he's uh, he's improvising. I mean, it, maybe it gives you an edge in a way, too, because, it get you know, you, obviously nobody can go up to mics and work on new material every night right now. That's not a thing. So in a way, this at least keeps you talking. It keeps you creating. It keeps your brain in comedy mode. You're riffing on stuff in real time as it happens. So in a way, that's still you. It's not the same as going out in front of a crowd, obviously, and doing stand-up, but at least it's it's keeping your mindset in that world, and it's keeping you honing stuff, and it's keeping you talking and thinking. A lot of comics aren't going to really have that. A lot of comics didn't know what to do with themselves, aside from running around from mic to mic seven nights a week. So they just kind of... Well, I think there was uh, one, one, one of the things that happened in the community during the pandemic was the community kind of uh split and it became like if you're doing shows you know you're potentially uh infecting people so it became like if you're doing shows you could potentially be ostracized from these comics future shows so a lot of people didn't want to take that risk um and they just they were like i'm just gonna hold tight it's gonna be over soon everybody kept saying that it'll be over soon it'll be over soon and uh and when it wasn't um, you know, they were kind of left like, oh, shit, we're still at the beginning of 2019 or 2019 or 2020. And, you know, somebody like me is like, you know, not that f- people don't understand. It's like I'm not that far ahead by doing this stuff. It's just I am doing something. And exactly. people yeah. in Canada, people in Canada are desperate for content uh, that's not American because they're just, you know, it's it's unique to them, especially if you have a unique opinion and it's not the same opinion as you know, the mainstream. That's totally true. Yeah. And I think that's as good a point as any to go to break, but I think there will be that appreciation too for Canadian comics again. And for that, for that content, because people are, are sitting here trying to find new stuff to consume aside from just household name comics that they already know. Uh, we're going to come back with more Ben Bankus, host of the Ben Bankus podcast right here on Inside Jokes. little Darren Frost, just creepy enough to say I'm glad I'm not in your car right now. And you're listening to Inside Jokes on 640. I'm right beside you. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby! Right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We're talking to comic and podcast host Ben Bankus, mostly about what's been going on this past year. I mean, so Ben, you know, in your podcast, you talk about stuff sort of in real time. It happens. Just here's your opinion on what's going on in social politics and pop culture and the news and all that stuff. Will will that change the flavor of what your standup is too? Do you think when you get back on stage, like a lot of, I think there's going to be a split in comedy. A lot of comics are going to feel this pressure to like, oh man, I have to go and do 20 minutes about COVID, even though everybody's going to want to get away from that at that point. There's going to be a lot of comics who are completely wanting to avoid every single thing that's happened in the past year. For you, has what you're talking about on the mic, on the podcast, going to translate to back on stage when you get back out there? 
Well, I've been uh, I've been doing stand up uh, yeah. probably throughout the pandemic. I would say I probably have, you know, done a lot of stage time compared to pretty much anybody else. Because last year, what I did is I hosted a comedy show in a park every Friday. I hosted it. Yeah. It was like a two hour long show. Um, and then throughout, you know, the times that, th- you know, the only time anytime there's been a patio allowed to be open, we've done a show. Uh, so we've you know, right now, if you wanted to come to a show, benbankus.com uh, and you can get tickets right now. We're doing, um, you know, Fridays, some Saturdays at a bar called the NX Social at DuPont and Bathurst. So when I get on stage, I just really try to make people laugh. Uh, you know, I, I don't think about it that way. Like, I know a lot of there's been a lot of rhetoric around like, I don't want to hear about COVID. And it's like, OK, well, then, I mean, I don't know what to tell you uh because we're still experiencing it and yeah. i don't necessarily talk about it i try to talk about it in an outsider perspective like i'm not you know and i don't try to make the whole show about it for sure but i definitely want to acknowledge the elephant in the room and i think the comics who uh don't take that opportunity like if you're doing a show with uh sec- six comics seven comics on it and every single comic has covid jokes like yeah it's gonna suck but it's yeah. like any other comic uh comedy show where if somebody goes up and does a covid joke or if somebody goes up and does whatever type of joke about the Toronto Maple Leafs, for instance, somebody's going to maybe go, OK, well, I won't do my Maple Leafs bit. Right. So yeah. um, but I've also been uh, headlining my own show so that I can get as much stage time and 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 hone what I want to do when clubs open back up. So I can be headlining yucks, um, you know, with uh, with material that I've worked on and, and came up with, you know, while things are like half open. Yeah. Yeah, which is true too, because a lot of comics had no idea what to write about or even how to write if they couldn't go out on stage every night. For you, doing this, the amount of shows that you've been able to do this past year, have you seen a big difference in audiences? Like, is there this different sort of appreciation now where people are like, thank God I could just go out and laugh at live comedy and not be stuck at home reading the same crap on social media all the time? I think so, but I do think that, you know... uh especially this summer, a lot of my audience has been from my following. So, and that's kind of the first time I've had that happen. And, um, you know, I've seen people do other shows. I don't think a lot of people are selling out shows. Kyle, Lucy and I have been. Um, and I think it has to do with, you know, if people find you online and they're going to come and laugh and they know what to expect, but I don't see this huge appetite for, um, you know, let's just go and see, comics who we don't know who we never heard of who don't have a social media presence i don't think that they're i think people's appetite is going to change where they're like well why would we go see somebody we don't know and and i and and i think comics are looking at it the wrong way by looking at it as like you know oh like you know where's where's the star system in canada it's like you have to just do it yourself you have to do everything yourself you have to buy a mic you have to buy the uh, right equipment um and you have to invest in yourself because otherwise you know, if you just have an iPhone, you can make sketches, right? Yeah. You you can you can buy a thirty dollar lav mic on Kiji on uh, Amazon, and plug it into your iPhone and clip it to your shirt and film it on your eye. You know what I mean? So yeah. people aren't looking at this opportunity as like, oh my god, people are so bored that they want grassroots, independent entertainment that's that's different. So. I think I think anybody coming to a comedy show now, too, is a little bit less woke because, the, uh, you know, if you're going to a comedy show and sitting with people, 
you know, you're probably leaning towards let's lift loft lockdowns versus, you know, I don't see a lot of people in masks. It is true. And I mean, it's been interesting talking to American comics and Canadian comics that have made the move to different hubs in the States during this. Cause they're like, you know, I'm all about safety and all that stuff. And yes, it's a pandemic, but a lot of other scenes all over the continent have figured out ways to still have live comedy and just still, you know, put up some sort of barriers and, and take some sort of measures, but still not completely shut those things down. Like we had Jason Rouse on the show last week and he's like, I moved to Austin, Texas during this because Austin, Texas has a great scene and it's growing. And also I've been able to do stuff for the entire past year that back home, I just literally would not have, I would just been stuck at home collecting serve or whatever. Right. So yeah, um, it, it is, it is, it's refreshing in a way to see these sort of scenes bounce back to life and this stuff happen. Cause I mean, at a certain point you can't sit there forever and go, Nope, it's too dangerous. We got to keep it on pause. You just, you, you can't, you have to start the wheels moving again. Ben Bankus, we could talk about this stuff all day. Uh, we're going to also play a little clip of yours to wrap up the show, but before we uh, let you go. So of course you, you did do the cyber comedy cabaret. Where can people find all of your stuff? And also of course, listen to the podcast. At Ben Bankus, B-E-N-B-A-N-K-A-S on Instagram, on Twitter, Ben Bankus Comedy on Facebook, BenBankus.com. You can get all those links. You can get links to the Ben Bankus podcast, all my sketches. Um, and um, yeah, reach out to me. We have a show, like I said, every week. Uh, tickets on sale on my website, BenBankus.com. And it's it's awesome. It's an awesome experience. You can sit outside. We say crazy, crazy stuff. And we have a diverse lineup. So there we go. Beautiful. And I'm just glad it's, it's nice to hear somebody in Canadian comedy that has just been consistently doing this stuff all the way through and not having your voice changed by it at all. Ben Bankus, Thank you so much, buddy. Thank you for joining thank you. us. We'll talk to you soon. Everybody hit up benbankus.com, Find those links, listen to the podcast. And of course, thanks again to Mark Breslin of yuck yucks. That is our show. Don't forget. You can find all of our episodes right back to the beginning on global news online we'll be back next week hi this is alicia carusi and you're listening to my aunt sandra carusi's comedy rx this week featuring ben bankus everybody's a racist now right it's funny when they call you a racist but then they also list the other things that you are they're like you're a racist you're a sexist you're a homophobe you're a transphobe it's like have you ever met a racist that wasn't also all those things <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have to list them all? Who's getting it?